Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Stop, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith during this time of continued crisis. And I am joined as always by the rector of our parish, the Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. How are you doing today? I didn't ask you how you were doing in last week's one because I dived straight into it. But today I want to know on behalf of the listeners, how are you doing, sir? Good day to you and good day to the listeners, Lindsay. Thank you very much for your question. Um, I'm doing pretty well, except that um, I've got sort of news uh, with my blood store that the white cells have gone up a little and uh, there are two nodes that they found. So I sort of grappling to accept that, you know, it doesn't sort of come down. Mm. The doctor's not put me on anything just yet, and, and uh, he's not, doesn't seem to be overly concerned except to say that uh, they're slowly going up. That's what he said. And then he said, um, see me in six months' time. It's possible that I will then have to go on some form of medication uh, to start addressing the issue. So, so far, I've had to be ensuring that my immune system is at least uh, supported by vitamins. And I also have to lose five kilos by in six months. So um, I've got to come down to a um, 95. Okay. Um, so I'm trying to find out how I'm going to do that because a lot of the things that he said I shouldn't be doing, I haven't been doing like, you know, sugar mm. and carbohydrates i'm trying to eat smaller portions um challenge of course is when you're eating smaller portions is your your if you're awake late at night then your hunger issues you know challenge you for the um, little nitbits that you want to eat but yeah that's the reality of my situation and i'm I'm feeling good my my what's name seems to be healing well the op that had the binder Mm-hmm. Um, I was very impressed the other day when I went to get the the flu injection uh, with my wife and <clears throat> children that my my blood my, not 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 the flu infection sorry when I went to see the doctor my blood pressure I've never heard this tally with regards to my own life before it was 120 over 60 so I felt like a young man <laughs> um, in that regard so yeah that was very interesting. Oh, that's and, very unfortunate, actually, about your 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 blood cell uh, in the the white cell count. Um, but yeah, I mean these 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 are journeys that that we are all on. Everyone has their own little thing in their lives. And one thing I've realized, actually, and and I mean I'm 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 quickly approaching forty, so I'm not an old man, but I I do feel old when I'm surrounded by youths. Uh, is that like the the healthcare professionals get to this point where? It's 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 more like palliative care, <laughs> so it's like yes, it's like like with with eyesight for instance. I was I was told um, I can't. It, it would be futile for me to go get the the corrective laser laser surgery because I've reached that age now where when I'm over forty, I'm gonna be back there for a new prescription anyway. So it's it's not worth it for me right now. Um, so yeah, like there's just certain things where the doctors you can just see they like. Okay, fine. Just try and reduce this and reduce that, but we're not going to do anything because it's just not a good investment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the I mean, at the end of the day, it's about us dealing with what comes with aging, and mm. and and often what's genetic. Um, you know, and, and um, you know, I suppose part of it is they're getting old. You sort of seemingly staring death in the face more, more squarely. Yes. I, I did ask the question the other day: Is death approaching us, or are we approaching death? Oh, uh, one of them <laughs> rhetorical questions. I, I think that you know, when when that's the reality of life, earthly life, that there will be death. I believe I'm then called to take my living much more seriously, give more attention to how do I actually live my life? Mm. Um, What's the benefit of life? You know, one person came to see me the other day to say, um, why are we taking all the precautions against COVID? Um, And I said, I do it because 
even though we're going to die, I've got to, I'm, I'm part of a community that believes in the pressure, preservation of life as far as we can uh, be able to work at preserving life. So you, you know, eat correctly and you drink correctly and you exercise and all that kind of stuff. You read, you also play Sudoku so that your mind can keep working. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you, you, you have healthy relationships and all of that kind of thing. And by just saying where, you know, I'm here about preservation of life, he had no other comeback on, on that once I said that to him. Indeed. Um, and, and as we have explored before, um, that, that doesn't also mean that you are, are, are pro-life. You are pro-preservation of life, but you are not yeah. strictly pro-life in the politicized manner that, 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 sure. that, that does come across now. Yes. Uh, but this actually leads us into um, kind of an underlying theme that I, I picked up for the sixth Sunday of Easter. It's Ascension Day on Thursday and then swiftly approaching Pentecost. So within the Gospels, um, the good Lord is leaving. Uh, but the theme that you have extracted is let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. But I just want to take you to the collect. And one line in the collect kind of jumped out to me. And then I like read through the, the readings as well. And there's something in, in the gospel also. Um, it's grant that in this world of changing things, we may hold fast to your promises that endure forever. So this is a prayer to God, because the next line is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So this then specifically addresses the promises that God has made. So I know there's the 15 promises, um, that sort of thing that's very big in, in like Jewish culture um, and in some like Judeo-Christian readings as well, and in the more charismatic kind of U.S. approach to, to Christianity. Uh, but Specifically, what are what has God promised humans? You know, that's a um, uh, that's a very um, good question. Can I can I can I just start by saying uh, this? The prayer says that um, that the, the world in this world of changing things. And the first thing that got my attention is the celebration of the God, who is the eternal Father, mm -hmm. whose reign extends beyond space and time, uh, alludes to alludes to the Creator God, and and change is a dynamic for me of the world in its yeah. creative yeah. form as well as from a Judeo-Christian point of view, uh, the dynamic of Jesus's death and resurrection based on, 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 on how we can live within and deal with changes that are, are not necessarily God-determined, but that uh, are determined by human con consent or human sense of control over the world in which we are in. Now, I have had issues with people who look at Scripture as a book of promises. Mm. Um, because the next thing that I then hear from people who look at the Bible as a book of promise is you must hold God to his promises. Mm. Now, is that what the dynamic of the scripture is, that I must hold God ransom to the Bible? And, and this is where I have problems. Um, because you see, when you say God promised, then we need to, then, then you can't do that on a literal basis because you can't read the scriptures literally. Um, I mean, one of the things that God says that I embrace, for example, um, was given to Joshua when he became the leader uh, after Moses. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
Mm. Now, um, that's, is that God's promise to me? Is that God's word on how he operates in relation to me? When God said that to, jo- to Joshua, then um, that was right at the beginning chapter, right at the end. Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, there was difficulties in between where um, sometimes he had to be he had to be thinking deeply and based on faith. You know, God seems to be a little absent here. How, how is he supposed to have been? So so now we deal with when God says, I will be with you, I never leave, forsake you. How are we meant to interpret that? Um, promise of presence in our lives um uh, and 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 then does he his response for me would say you know god kept god's word for me even in those moments when i did not recognize his presence as acutely as in other uh, experiences that i've had along this journey so i i have a problem with saying the bible is a book of promise and then you must hold god hostage because he promised you that. It's like a child who throws mm-hmm. you the out of the cot because the mother promised that they whenever they're going to do that, and now they haven't done it. And it's a very selfish centered thing, a self centered thing. Sorry, you know, God promised me this, and He didn't keep His word. Blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah. why why does the Creator need to promise us anything? But He can assure us, and we need to learn to discern how that assurance is. Uh, played out in our life and as i said to you earlier sometimes clearer and not clear the one thing i'm very sure of which god has assured me is that he loves me i'm 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 made uh created in family created in community created in a nation created in the world because god loves us now that he's told me that and and brought it into into reality through creation the act of creation and salvation I am then, um, I need to then know how do I respond to what he said to me, to what he's assured me of in terms of response to me. So I, I, I think the, prom- the word promise is a, is a little bit difficult because it now means if I have a sense that God hasn't kept his promise to me, I can doubt. How do I know that, how do I, how do I know that uh, he hasn't done that? Uh, did I discern? Uh, so, so we 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 playing on on a sentiments here that would give that's a false premise as far as I'm concerned. But I do know that He loves me because He He's shown me that, particularly when He sent Jesus uh, to walk alongside me in embracing my humanity, our humanity, and going to the cross to help us deal in that way. So I I te- I tread very carefully. When I preach and say, well, this is what God said. And therefore, you know, it's his promise to us. And then we hold God hostage because of the scripture. So that is why it's so difficult to read scripture as the, um, uh, as the, 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 the um, perfect word. word. But we do it by reading the English translation. And we need to look, you know. Is the word promise really the concept in English, the idea and understanding of the word promise, exactly the same as the Hebrew word was? Mm. Uh, was the Hebrew original to it? And I certainly feel, just, just from, a, from a reasoning point of view, that if we base our faith on the Bible being a promised book to us, yeah. Then I think we become it becomes problematic. It's about a journey of relationships. It's about a journey of learning how to love, how to even walk with presence when physically it may it may not be seen or even felt. How do mm. we walk by faith? Um, you know, so all of that. So I really struggle with um, even preaching about uh, God promised. You know, a theme like that, for example. Mm. Yeah, that's that, that, that's very interesting. That's that's kind of the, the, the answer I, I was expecting. Um, I would have been shocked if you had to 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 go down the full route of of the promises that that, that God <laughs> did make for, <laughs> uh, because obviously, um, 
as I have explored and, and said already on this podcast, it is a fact that um, any attribution to God, like quotes and stuff, is actually blasphemy. <laughs> but um, if you go into the, the, the reading, so Jesus did, and Jesus has quite a few things that have been attributed to him in terms of quotes, and he did make one or two promises. One specifically was the promise of eternal life, um, and then he had a, a lot of things to say about um, kind of the, the route to that eternal life, and mostly through his teachings. And then if you look at Acts, like the, the readings kind of speak to each other quite nicely. They, they, they bookend each other. Um, if you look at Acts chapter 16, verses 19 to 59 to 15, sorry, um, where Paul goes to Macedonia, and then one of the people who heard there was Lydia from, that is a big word, I'm not going to try that one, and she was a woman who worshipped God, and the Lord opened her mind to pay attention to what Paul was saying. After she and the people of her house had been baptized, she invited us, come and stay in my house if you have decided that I am a true believer in the Lord. And then Jesus says in the gospel, according to John, chapter 14, verses 23 to 29, those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them which i think is just it's just a beautiful kind of conversation happening between those two passages where paul does the thing and then the gospel shows how jesus like said the thing uh which, which, which yeah. is just amazing from 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 like a, a writer or a lover of literature um, it, mm. it's, it's incredible to see that sort of thing. But but Jesus is all about the eternal life. He promises, he promises the eternal life for the followers who have kept to his word and everything. But then you like me with my secular outlook and my agnostic stylings. And it's like, but you can't ever hold that promise. Because it's not like the people who have died, devout Christians, can report back. You know, there's only been one person who has defeated death and like came to tell the tale afterwards, and that was Jesus. And that that's that's a little that's a that's a bit problematic to have an entire faith system propped up by this singular belief. Okay, let me just say it's Tiatra. Yes. That's the name of the place that Lydia much. was from. Uh, Tiatra. I, I don't know. I hope I'm not simplifying it too much. Because <coughs> you can't, you can simplify something that, but that necessarily has so much depth about it that, you know, it's an ongoing search uh, for understanding and meaning. I, I interpret the gift of eternal life as, as this. In creation, God gave life. And so we are called into life to be received back into life uh, through the passage of experiencing life in its uh, natural and physical um, conditions. Mm -hmm. um, and so the one who creates us and saw that by virtue of our um, our rejection of, of his ways, which which seemingly has sort of shown me over the course of history and in my own life, leads to death. It's as, as when something happens between people or in relationships that is not healthy, uh, immediately there's silence, there's silence, there's shock, there's grief, there's pain, until we get into the space of where we can actually now reasonably say, I forgive you, I've moved on. Um, it's a process when a relationship dies for a moment and, and new life has to be given to it through the process of reconciliation um, and forgiveness. So there's no doubt in my mind that um, that we, we the, the redemption that comes to us through Jesus Christ 
uh, uh, gives us gives me the understanding that not only are we able to to arise from the penalty of the wages of sin, which is death, as Paul puts it, uh, into um, a, a renewal through uh, of, uh, repentance and 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 forgiveness, uh, into a restored relationship to then continue living um, and accepting that um, ultimately God calls us. Call, uh, gives us life and calls us back into life through the mystery of living a, a natural life on earth. So mm-hmm. the gift of then eternal life for me becomes uh, not just an idea that I can believe in, uh, a hope that I can have, because I, in my mind, in my faith mind or whatever mind it is, can't rationalize that a creator gives us life and then ends it all in death. And there's nothing more than that. So I I, 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 I embrace this reality of the revelation. I'm not sure if it's in this passage, but it was in a previous passage where it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. And yeah, so being... <laughs> Last six passages. So I have no doubt in my mind that being Alpha and Omega is of the same essence. Um, and therefore, so in other words, when I say God gave us life and we go back to life, so in other words, I'm saying we come from God and we journey back to God uh, in, in a renewed way through the experiences of this life on earth. That's my take on. Um, on the, in a very simplified, rodnified way um, uh, that I understand what Jesus is saying to me. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I, I understand that, and, and I, I appreciate your, your rodnification of it. Uh, but it, it still, it just strikes me as, as, as you said earlier, uh, the preachers who, who kind of deliver the Bible as the definitive, unwavering, perfect word of God, um, it's, it's quite irresponsible to chart an existence for someone that's based on this very rigid idea of like eternal life and like these are the steps that you have to kind of take to reach it. And um, yeah, it, 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 it just, it's, it's never sat well with me, even from a, from, from a very young age. And I think it it was kind of the catalyst to my my awakening into casting off like full belief in in, in faith. Yeah, I think um, I think it's 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 about you know let me put it like this: having been one who has had to preach at funeral services, hmm. where uh, I now call funeral services <clears throat> a liturgical name that I've created using words that are commonly associated with funerals that I've learned along the way, the celebration of life. Now I've included the celebration and commendation of the life and witness of whoever it is that we are, whose services we, we are watching here. So it's a celebration of life and it's a commendation of that life because the prayer of commendation is a, uh, a very necessary prayer uh, at this time where we now, relying on the mercy and grace of God, on the character of God, not mm. on assumed promises we have made along the way, but on the character of God, we then uh, uh, grant eternal rest unto so-and-so have died and let like the picture shine on. So us ultimately, as we should have that we should be doing every day, cast ourselves on the mercy of God, we now cast our brother and sister who have passed uh, onto the mercy of God. So what I then um, need to say that uh, for, for, for me, um, where, where you're now speaking to the family who's left behind, hmm. where you are challenged to not tell them lies about things you yourself can't guarantee. But as with every part of life, it's a matter of faith, um, and 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 living there, 
one of the causes I did when I studied um, a, a cause in scripture was uh, uh, the whole idea of um, living is uh, the, the, the partner, the partner of living is faith. Because, I mean, there is just things I can't do without believing, without faith. Um, I have no idea that, that I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning after a night's sleep. But when I do wake up, um, I, 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 even if I don't wake up, um, what is my faith when I go and sleep? Um, so my prayers, you know, uh, I don't know if you remember that child prayer, that, that prayer the children make. Um, now I lay my, my now I lay my, me down to sleep. My, um, uh, yes, my kids say it every night. Yeah. So, so we saying to God, and even as children, if we die, you know, please take me with you. But now, this is the point I wanted to come to. Is there anybody who's, who was, was placed into a coffin, who died on a sick bed or died under other circumstances? Do we ever die in a state of perfection? So it's a journey towards that point where death will, will meet us, or we will meet death. Having journeyed in faith with the one who, in very simplistic terms, holds my hand as the chorus says. He comes to hold my hand and when I feel his hold, I realize I need to hold on to him who, who leads me. I'm sorry that I'm using pronouns that are no, 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 masculine, no. <laughs> but um, God is more than that. So, so um, even, even when, when, you know, people claim that they are so biblically based that even when they die, they are going to die in a state of perfection. That's not true. Uh, none of us can die in a state of, 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 of perfection. Um, we're dying, perhaps seeking to walk the way that may lead to, um, to righteous living, to just living, but we do fall along the way. And part of that path of justice and righteousness is the, the path of confession. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And so um, it's about the journey. It's about the journey um, of holding on to him who came to take my hand when he embraced my humanity in solidarity. So I take very seriously the baptism of Jesus, the story of his um, is entering into the wilderness where he, it was a challenge of identity and how then did he walk uh, the, the rest of the road which you and I have explored over two and a half years and I still find it fascinating uh, the stories that we have that we deal with in the gospel narratives and in the other parts of the reading mm. so I, I when I when I follow him when I when I when I'm seeking to follow him which I don't do perfectly and even the year I mean the gospel says he's going to send me a helper so if there's a helper what does that mean I need to call out to the helper you know uh, I need to believe enough to say that Jesus is I, I believe he's able to speak words to me that I can believe and trust. And that's the connection that I make with the scriptures. Um, and, you know, I'm, in my short life so far, I've tried to think of every other, other possibility I could attach my life to that would, you know, help me on my journey. And I, can, I cannot in my own life find that. Even, even when I read uh, philosophers' words, even if I read what the business world is telling me, even when I read what scientists are telling me, um, scriptures telling me about the journey, uh, uh, which includes all of that on which he holds my hand. And, you know, um, maybe this is why we Look at the Psalms. The Psalms give us the narrative of how we in our broken state, um, we are accompanied by uh, the everlasting one. Um, and words like, he's my refuge and my strength, he's my rock. Or all is that this fragile life of mine is in need of. 
I try to stand on maybe other rocks that I thought were not on sinking sand. But I no doubt find that Jesus offers something way beyond what uh, some of the others. But I mean, I, 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 I just want to cite something with you today. I was listening to a CNN um, clip. Uh, yeah. I think the guy's name is Meda Medi, uh, who's a, a fantastic journalist. Yeah. Uh, Hessen or something is his name. He's fantastic in yeah. the way he gathers material and the way he, you know, presents it. And he was talking about um, the church and state in the American context. And um, he then had a clip of a very, very loudmouth pastor who thinks that by shouting his message will, will come. And he, he goes to the scriptures as the book of promise in his mind, right? And he says, yes. this Bible tells me that if you vote democratic, then you are hellbound. Now, that's the kind of junk that these people preach out there. That's the kind of, of rhetoric people would like to believe in. Because we're assuming that political parties give us lifelines. We're assuming that narcissistic leaders who get up and make a lot of promises. We're going to build a wall and Mexico will pay for it, is the <laughs> thing right around the world. And we see what is happening all around. All of these are castles in the sand. When it comes to Jesus, I don't find the castle. I find solidness to even help me through the muddiness of life. Mm. But then also lies the dichotomy of faith, at least of the Christian faith, where you love God or are in fear of God, but then also fear death where it's like if you wanted to be with god you shouldn't fear death and you know vice versa so it's it, it, it's it's always been fascinating to me um watching people mourn watching the survivors mourn a fallen family member or seeing someone who was very strong in their faith on their deathbed and just the absolute fear of mortality in them you know yeah you know i may have cited this story already in one of our previous conversations so i i do apologize to the listeners and to you for repeating myself but um sometimes a lot of things are worth repeating and recall mm. i was probably even standard nine or standard ten but i was part of a of a of a, of a um prayer group in the area in the parish of Mitchell's Plain, Christ the Redeemer, where we lived. And I've, um, I used to on my, because I was, I think I was very pastoral at heart when I was really young. So the, the people in the prayer group whom I knew, um, they would, and, and this particular lady, Mrs. Khan, through the experience of marriage. So Mrs. Khan was not well, Mrs. Khan had cancer. And I, the bus stop was on, she lived on the way from the bus stop to my, to my, to my home. So I would pop into Mrs. Khan on a regular basis and I would just go there and pray for, I was matric, I was matriculant. Mm. And when I one day said to Mrs. Khan about, you know, how she managing the fact that, you know, number one, she doesn't seem to be healing. Yeah. And secondly, that, you know, the fact that of death. And Ms. Khan said to me words that many people have said to me, but she was, and, and she was, she, she didn't, not long after that, she passed away. And with a smiling face, I suppose because also her face was a little swollen because of the medications and stuff. She yeah. said to me, Rodney, you know, healing for me is possible in this life, but also through the passage of death. Either way, I'm going to experience healing. That was Mrs. Khan's faith, that God would heal her even if she has to go through the passage of death. Now, 
Why could Mrs. Khan say that basically on her deathbed? Mm. And it's never left me. So these stories teach me. I mean, I worked in parishes, in some parishes where there was, there was just, you know, there is no God. So at the end, this one, this one, I went to go and visit this one family in another parish where I worked. The mother had passed away. The husband, uh, he was in his 70s or 80s already. Uh, the children quite offended because he was saying, look, when I die, my ashes just put it next to a, a dustbin garbage can. Yeah. Because uh, that's what life boiled down to him. I'm, I'm nothing more than garbage if one wants to interpret that. Is that how we're supposed to see at the end of our earthly lives? Um, and, and the children were very offended. I mean, their mom had just died. The body was still inside the house. Um, and we had said prayers around the body and we had prayed. That's why I love the tradition that we have as Anglicans. And I don't know whether that tradition exists anywhere else. But when the altar party processes out during the recessional hymn, and we're either in the vestry or in the foyer, and then the celebrant leads and says, um, the Lord be with you and also with you. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. And then we say this, um, um, may the souls of those who have died in the mercy of God, rest in peace and rise in glory. Mm. And, and so, so the tradition tells me that even when death happens, we remember those who have gone ahead of us. We see them as part of our lives, but our ongoing journey. Um, and so we continuously, and I have changed for my own thinking and, and belief. You know, the, the prayer was saying, um, may the, the souls of the faithful departed. I'm not sure, sure whether I'm going to be as the word determined, so faithful departed. I'm still going to die uh, wounded by sin and all of that kind of stuff. But what is more important than any of that, not my supposed faithfulness, is the mercy of God at the end of the day. Uh, that for me is the is the criterion that I have to live my life on and that which the criterion which I live until the end comes. But what journey did Mrs. Khan have to make to get there? A journey of life and faith. What brought her to grapple with death that was facing her in the way that she did? And what helped the church to maintain a prayer like, may those that have died be granted the, the gift of eternal rest. What, what is it about that tradition that helps me to journey on? That in death I'm even remembered. In death I'm still part of the community. Um, in death I'm celebrated uh, by the mercy of God in, an, in, 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 in the context of God's eternal faith is going to be ended in nothingness or that it's so much worth to have in my daily life until the day comes when I die. That the investment of believing in that, the gift of eternal life probably helps me far more than not believing in anything hmm. at the end of the day. I don't know. I, 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 look, I look at my own approach to, to these things. Like the, the only funerals that truly cried at was... Um, my parents, uh, mostly my mother. Um, so I, I, I get very weird when it comes because I'm, I'm, I, I would be like that father who would say, "Just leave my ashes by the dustbin." Like my thing is, just put me in a piece of like hemp cloth and dig a hole and throw me in the ground so that the the microbes and the worms and the insects can return the energy from my body back into the earth um, instead of just wasting it by burning it. You know, uh, so it's, it, I found freedom in not having the arrogance to think that my body needs to be treated in, in a certain special way, you know. Um, my legacy, <coughs> sorry, I hope would be 
one of someone who added value to the section of society that I operated in, um, to my family's lives, to to my friends, to my colleagues, whatever. Um, and that I feel is is kind of the eternal life that I want to live is through the memory of others of someone who added value. Outside of that, I don't really care. Well, look, um, I, I, I'm not going to dispute what you're saying because, you know, um, there's, there's life after your death, according to what you just said now. Uh, if my body is placed in a hemp um, coffin and the microbes that are still in me feeds the, the earth and the, and the yeah. worms and all of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, resurrection of the body is in its decay giving life to soil and worms and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it does bring me to this point. Is it to the body that Jesus said these words? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not let them be ill. What about my, the wholeness of my humanity to whom Jesus seems to have addressed that, those words or spoke those words out into the atmosphere? Um, in this life that I'm living, I long for peace and peacefulness. Um, our experience of the world uh, which is the cohabited earth, not necessarily always kosher, even though incidences of a destructive nature and chaotic nature, I may not necessarily be a victim in that or whatever it is, but certainly it will disturb me when I read. I mean, yesterday's um, challenge that I got was uh, a truck Two trucks on the N1 in the early south in the in the in the the, 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 the period people were going to work and 13 cars. I, I don't think yeah. I've heard of any deaths, but certainly that's a that's a tragedy that that itself uh, uh, disturbs the soul, if I can put it like that. And then to speak to my heart, where I'm feeling all of these things, and telling me, don't make it be troubled, don't be afraid of all of this. Now. I won't mind then going to the grave based on that my heart, something more about my, more than my body has been spoken to the, that which I can't even define by words. I feel inside of this body and I respond, my, my mind, the words that I've used over the very, the very period of my life, the, 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 the things I've heard with my ears that seem to have resonated uh, in at the central part of my being, whether uh, causing sensations in my feeling systems, even though I don't even understand how all of those work, um, makes me think that I'm more than just the body uh, that would be placed in the in the um, in the garbage bin or in the in the what's his name. I'm I'm I'm, I'm and that's what I grapple with. That reality is what I grapple with. Why is Jesus speaking to me in such a way that it goes beyond the limitation of my body, my earthly body? Now, that's the thing that worries me the most as a human being, and yet should it. When the doctor said through the scopes to me, Rodney, um, one of the things I found on you in your inside system is signs of aging mm. now that just knocked the, sh- the 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 shell of my back as a turtle <laughs> and i felt exposed my inside uh, what's the name is 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 decaying if i can call it like yeah. that. it's aging um when i look at my you know i'm complimented for having this boss of of, of silver here Mm. But it's all proof that I'm I'm aging. My the number that I'm given for my age. So why does all of those things worry me more than 
what Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. He's speaking a message to my heart. Am I therefore not then more than what this body, from which I'm more worried about uh, than, than, than that? And why would he then, um, I mean, when he speaks to me on the inside, it's also there for taking responsibility to how I care for myself on the outside, the material part of myself. So I think that more of us, you know, and then just, I just want to end off on this note. Mm-hmm. One nursing sister, when her 95-year-old husband died, he was a priest, and she's got two children who found it very difficult to um, embrace the Christian faith of their families, their father and mother. And uh, she said, you know, something leaves the body when death comes. And I, I went and took that statement back to think about the occasions and the opportunities I've had to actually see somebody die. Mm-hmm. And I've had um, at least two experiences in my lifetime that made me uh, think about those words. Something leaves the body when we die. And so there's still, a, you know, uh, the, the, the journeying with that uh, observation mm. as a journey of my faith and my life. Mm. And, and although my, the theme was um, that the nations praise you, O God, um, brings me then back to just saying, so should praise be part of my living as I journey towards death? And why should it be? What does praising God mean uh, when death is approaching? Uh, uh, when I become nothing at the end, when my life, as it were, disappears into a hole. On this earth, I mean memory for memory related to experiences of me, legacies that I hope people would watch them. But then yeah. Yeah, is there just nothing after that? I guess we'll never know because you won't be coming back and I won't be coming back to tell that story. I and, 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 and I, I feel more liberated with, with, with that, actually. It's like, imagine if we had that knowledge. Like, we Christians claim they have the knowledge because of Jesus, but it's like, no, you don't. You don't have the knowledge because then there would be a definitive answer, and we have wouldn't be able to be to dispute it. We have, yeah, we have the words with a message of hope in it, and words make us journey in this life hmm. on the level of life and faith. Um, the journalist that writes the narrative, why? so that he or she can empower their audience in a particular way to make decisions, to follow a particular route. So Jesus is that journalist for me, directing my life in the passage of faith. Um, And his words matter to me. So though (coughs) I have not seen the empty tomb and I haven't seen the resurrection happen and I haven't heard Jesus firsthand. But the message that he has given for me in this 20, what's the 21st century we're in? Mm-hmm. And I've heard the same message in the previous um I, I we've been able to live in two centuries where there's a whole lot of difference in a world that is changing. And that same message speaks to my current context and our current, for me, our current context. So we journey with the message, like like we journey with the message of marketing. And we think that the words that the marketing tells us um, is going to make my life all the better if I go and purchase (laughs) that product. And I'm so greedy that I will buy more than I need. 
not thinking that there's others who have also been drawn by that same message because for them it's a message of hope as well. So for mm-hmm. me, that's what the voice and the word of scripture and tradition helped me in my reasoning of living. And uh, the hope I have that if there's an alpha, there has to be an omega. I will, will close off by saying, by just calling back to to something you, you said about um, you don't know whether or not you will wake up tomorrow morning. Uh, the unfortunate thing about life is that the odds are you will, and the sun always rises. And that is why. Yeah. I- that is why I take seriously the message of the psalmists, which is my theme. Therefore, let the people praise you. <laughs> that was a nice little jab, and I think I'll leave it there. <laughs> I, won't, I won't return fire on that one. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Thank you for sharing your opinions with me. There has been a couple of uh, uh, direct messages that, that 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 I've received about the conversations earlier. You guys are enjoying it, and I am enjoying making these things. Um, and as I enjoy these conversations, always thank you very much, Father, for another wonderful. Well, Lindsay, could I just? Could I, I, people don't. I'm going to see the script that you and I read from when we do these talks. But I, I just found it fascinating, and I thought of you when I looked up when I found this quote mm-hmm. from Dylan. <laughs> Burrows. Even if God never did any, did another good thing in our lives, we should spend the rest of this life praising Him for what He's already done. And I chose that deliberately with Lindsay in my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I will not return fire. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Lindsay. Thanks, people, for listening. God bless.